What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about Hassle Cattle Company. And we brought you damn good beer with Breckenridge Brewery. And now we're delivering you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source of farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the beautiful United States of America and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strips, beef bacon, Wagyu franks without any fillers, two jerky fillers, original, sweet, and spicy. Mmm, man, sounds delicious. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. These guys take their registered bulls and breeds with them and their Angus cows, giving you the very high product that is grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So head to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com and use promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off your order. And any orders over $200, you receive free shipping. So check them out and we promise you, you will not be disappointed. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this wonderful Wednesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And guys, before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. We've had some people at DNVR take classes at MSU Denver Online, and what they say is they do a great job bringing the real world into the classroom so that once you graduate, once you finish that class, you're ready to take off with that job that you have set up after you graduate. So make sure to check them out, MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, what's going on? This is a big day in this country, and of course, yesterday, a huge day in Broncos country as we were introduced officially to Broncos new general manager, George Payton. Well, it being a big day today, of course, you're talking about the announcement by Philip Rivers that he's going to retire from the NFL after 17 seasons, right? Absolutely. <laughs> of course. Yes. I mean, we could, you know what, we could do a podcast on Philip Rivers. And I think if we didn't have uh, the 
press conference from George Payton yesterday to uh, to mull over, we probably would do a podcast on Philip Rivers, but we, re- we would be remiss uh, not to mention him today, not to mention so many great battles the Broncos had with Chargers teams led by Philip Rivers over the years. He's going to have a fascinating legacy to debate because clearly one of the more accomplished quarterbacks in league history didn't have the team success. And also in an era where there were other great quarterbacks better than better than him for long stretches. So a few years down the line, when we get to the hall of fame discussion, Philip Rivers is probably going to take up a lot of the oxygen in the room, trying to determine whether he's a hall of famer or not. But uh, salute to Philip Rivers. There were some great battles that the Broncos and Chargers had over the years and uh, all the best in, in what I hope is a prosperous and fruitful retirement. Absolutely. I mean, he's already got a job set up after retirement, coaching some high school ball, man. Oh. It, would, it would be a blast to play for Philip Rivers and Mace. You know, gro- growing Hey, he up, wouldn't curse at you, right? <laughs> exactly. He certainly wouldn't. He'd be screaming, but no curse words. Yeah. <laughs> Different than His my dad high school w- coaches. Yeah. Yeah, his dad was a longtime high school coach and a great high school coach as well. So it's really cool to see, to to see that he's probably going to follow in his uh, in his father's footsteps. Uh, is and actually his father coached him in high school. And then interesting twist: when Philip Rivers went to North Carolina State, his parents moved up to North Carolina with him. That's awesome. And his dad became a successful high school coach uh, in the Raleigh area as well. So it's 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 really cool to see him uh, about to give back to, to the game that has provided him so much. Um, the other thing I recall, and this is totally funny. Um, uh, it's not, maybe not funny. It's more kind of coincidence funny. The first senior bowl I covered, and I'll be down there next week, was in 04. And uh, that year, I stayed for the game. I don't stay for the game now, but I did then. And on the day, on the day after the game, I have a connecting flight to Atlanta and I'm walking back to my seat and Philip Rivers is, is sitting right there with his wife and his baby having a, just played in the senior bowl. And as it turned out, having really, you know, put his name in Sharpie for the chargers uh, as them wanting him because he played for the chargers coaches that year. And the thought I had is, I'm probably riding on the last coach class flight of Philip Rivers's life. Uh, well, the last coach, <laughs> the last coach flight that wasn't just his entire family is, is what you mean. Right. I, I, <laughs> well, I would say this, I could see as his kids have gotten older that uh, maybe they've become the family where the parents sit in first class and the kids are back in coach kind of <laughs> like in, uh, in the home alone movies where the McAllister parents are up in first class and they're enjoying the wine and the, yeah, okay, go find seats and coach. Go, go. Because, of course, they're running <laughs> <Right>. so late. <laughs> uh, one of the best tweets I saw about this was from Trey Wingo this morning. He said, now that Philip Rivers is retiring, he can finally settle down and think about having some children. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Of course, what does he have? Eight or nine kids already? He's got nine kids. So if you count uh, him and his wife, Tiffany, uh, who I believe he actually met in seventh grade, amazingly. I mean, that's a, a really yeah. fascinating story there. Uh, you know, first love, true love, right? And they've been together, of course, for a long time. So nine kids, two parents, they've got themselves a soccer team, a football team already ready to go. I mean, that, <laughs> yes, they do. I, I'll, leave, I'll leave the other jokes about the um, proclivity to procreate to – 
everyone else. But uh, <laughs> today we, we we come not to to bury Philip Rivers, but to but to praise him because he because his presence, his vocalness, the the ridiculousness of the curse free trash talk, it made the rivalry fun. I mean, it, the char the Chargers games historically they've been kind of lost in the shuffle compared to Raiders game, Broncos game or Chiefs games. You know, for example, even in week 17 out of practice, I heard coaches yelling Raiders week. You don't get that with the Chargers, but uh those games took on an, an added import when he was there and uh yeah, the Broncos took the measure of uh, of Philip Rivers quite often, but he got his he got his jabs in. You think uh, you know, think back to the two games in 2016, his first season as a starter that basically launched the Chargers to 14 and two and uh, sent the Broncos down to nine and seven, missing the playoffs. You think, of course, of the um, uh, of the the game at the end of the 2008 season. That was the last time, of course, Mike Shanahan was the head coach of the Denver Broncos, fired right after that 52-21 loss. Uh, you think of games like in 2013 when the Chargers came into Denver on a Thursday night and Phillip Rivers to Keenan Allen, that was popping as a combination, and they upset the Broncos. So Denver had a lot of success against Phillip Rivers and the Chargers, no doubt, but he got his punches in over the years, and that's what made it a dynamic and and fun series between those teams. And the Broncos always got up for Philip Rivers. I mean, it, Chris Harris, I, I he would get a <laughs> yeah. kind of a he'd get a, a a twinkle in his eye talking about Philip Rivers and talking about the trash talk. Uh, Von Miller would, Demarcus Ware did. It meant something going up against a Philip Rivers led team, and uh, and, and and that's why. You know, that's why he's worthy of saluting today, because if you aren't good, you don't get that kind of respect and that kind of reaction from your foes. Yeah, exactly. You're you're so right, Mace. Man, I could just keep going on and on about Philip Rivers, but man, him versus Jay Cutler was just such a blast oh. of a rivalry and really, really sparked a rivalry between the Chargers because they were always the San Diego team that had no fans, and now they're the Chargers team that has no fans. And now mm -hmm. maybe we can see a little rivalry, whether it's Drew Locke and Justin Herbert, or it does seem like the Chargers are going to be good with Justin Herbert. Maybe it's George Payton that is able to deliver that rivalry. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be smack-talking uh, <laughs> Justin Herbert, but maybe he can put a team together that will make these two teams uh, compete with the Chiefs, and that's where you get rivalries. And so, Mace, we'll give a, a mile-high salute to Phillip Rivers, or maybe we'll give him a George Payton peace sign, as that is now a George Payton's go-to move, throwing up the deuces at the end of his press conferences. So, Mace, I got to ask you, what was your biggest takeaway from George Payton being introduced to the media yesterday? Well, I wrote my piece that uh, dropped uh, early this morning on VDMVR.com about what I called the three Ds, draft, develop, and dig. Digging is endemic to this year because you don't have the combine. You don't have a couple of all-star games, the collegiate bowl and the shrine and the shrine bowl. So you are constricted in what you can do compared to a normal draft year. And so you have to dig. He mentioned that. But draft and develop, he specifically mentioned draft and develop or drafting and developing, if we're going to get the phrasing specifically correct. He specifically mentioned that concept five times in yesterday's press conference. Mm -hmm. And that shows it's at the top. Draft, develop, and then, oh, by the way, to build a culture, 
keep the players that you do develop that are successful. And, you know, what the, it would seem that in the short term, that has the greatest consequences positively if they can keep him around for Justin Simmons. But uh, that's something we could do an entire uh, other podcast on. But, you know, the Vikings, not only do they draft and develop, they also accumulated picks. You know, they've, the last, the last, uh, the last ten years, uh, Zach, they've 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 av- they've averaged, uh, I believe, two more picks when they come out of the draft than when they go into the draft process, based on what they get in terms of the seven picks every year, plus any compensatory picks. They like trading down. They like moving around the board. They had fifteen draft picks last year. So, you and Peyton said. The more to, the more targets, the, the more chances you have, the better your chances of hitting the bullseye. So he kind of takes a little bit of a Bill Belichick type approach to the draft in terms of trying to accumulate picks. And that's something that I think makes for some very fascinating possibilities this year and beyond. Potential trade down. And, you know, Ryan texted you and I right after the, the press conference and said, mm-hmm. did you get a feeling that uh, – that George Payton would be up up to trading for Deshaun Watson and would be all about that. And there were some things, and we'll probably dive into it tomorrow when we have Ryan on. There were some things that could lead you that way. But Mace, at the same time, the biggest thing that will hold you back from that is thinking just how much in draft capital you would have to give up to get Deshaun Watson and considering that he said drafting and developing is going to be the lifeblood of the team. I mean, if you're taking the lifeblood out of your organization for three years by trading for Deshaun Watson, I mean, you you would have to obviously think he's incredibly special. And I think we all think he's extremely good. So that, that was interesting right there that he said, it's going to be the lifeblood. And now John Elway and Vic Fangio, we talked to them after, and they said, you know, he really wants to draft and develop. And Vic said, well, like, we all do, but he really wants to. So that just shows you where this emphasis is going to be. It's going to be about getting players and then developing them and then keeping them in Denver, not letting them go once you've developed them, Mace. So that's great news for Justin Simmons. And in fact, uh, George Payton went on the fan yesterday afternoon and just straight up said about Justin Simmons, we got to try to figure out how mm-hmm. to keep him. So they, I mean, yeah. they, George Payton's not playing any games, Mace. He's saying what he wants to do, who he wants to re-sign, and he's going to make it happen. So a great day for Justin Simmons fans mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, and I th- I love the fact that I think he understands the importance of Justin Simmons to this team, it, not just in terms of his play, but I like I, I like the response about culture. And you know, I've sometimes said that culture is overrated. That you know, winning helps create that culture and you've got to win. And that means uh, there are certain things you have to have in place, but this is also kind of a locker room thing. If you are a young Broncos player and you've come aboard in the last four years and you've seen who and who Justin Simmons is as a person, what he is as a player, what he means to that team and the Broncos look up and don't re-sign him, then you're thinking if, they don't they don't resign him why would they why would they resign me what chance do i have of being resigned sometimes you do want to make sure you sign players not just because they're good players but because of how it is received in the locker room because you want to be perceived as an organization that rewards improvement 
that rewards becoming an outstanding player. The Broncos in recent years <clears throat> didn't have too many chances to do that. Early in the John Elway era, they they rewarded some guys. I mean, they were able to reward you know Demarius Thomas, Von Miller, um, Ryan Clay, Ryan Clady got a big deal uh, from the Broncos when his when his number came up. Derek Wolf, Chris Harris Jr., but they weren't able to do it with everybody. And one of the things that has kind of kicked in in recent years is that uh, you know a lot of the money for second contracts has gone to imports, and uh, it would be nice to see that, to, to see the Broncos go another direction. They've already taken a step in that direction with Garrett Bowles. He developed, he blossomed, he got the reward. Justin Simmons ought to be next. And that, and, and even though it may be perceived as, oh, you're keeping together the pieces of a team that uh, has four consecutive losing seasons. It's a little more than that. You're trying to build something long-term here and you are, and you're better with Justin Simmons than without him. He'd be very difficult to replace even in a Vic Fangio defense where uh, he does maximize his safeties. And then there's the off-field stuff. There's the leadership stuff. It, it makes sense. And it would go a long way for George Payton to establish his legitimacy and trust with the team if he signed Justin Simmons as well. And I think, I, I think then guys would say, all right, this draft and develop stuff, this re-sign guy stuff, this isn't just some guy talking. This actually has some teeth. It means something. Well, and Macy did mention culture uh, and guys being good guys off the field a couple of times yesterday when he was talking about specific players, when he was talking in general. Uh, and so that's going to be something that that plays into the equation for Justin Simmons, but for other guys, George Payton is going to look at just beyond or not just the field. He's going to look at an expanded view of who these guys are. So obviously I think it's pretty much a, a done deal that Justin Simmons will be a Bronco next year. But George Payton's going to have to realize he's going to have to pay him because John Elway wanted Justin Simmons back, Mace, but he wanted him back at his price. Well, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to get Justin Simmons back at your price. I would be shocked now if George Payton does not reach an extension with Justin Simmons in the coming months before, really in the next two months before free agency starts. Mace, another thing that really stood out to me before we get to probably the biggest takeaway, which was the quarterbacks. Another thing that stuck out to me was he said, we're going to be in every deal. We're going to be aggressive, but not reckless. And I absolutely love hearing that Mace, whether it's a lower level free agent that you're talking about that you just want to see, you know, if you can get them for even cheaper than you thought, I love doing that. Love talking to every single person. Or if it's about trading up to the number two overall pick, make a call to the Jets to see what it would take to get a quarterback you really like. Maybe it's a little cheaper than you thought. Maybe it's Deshaun Watson. He said, we're going to be in every deal. And if it's the right deal for the Denver Broncos, we're going to act. I just love that. That's being open-minded. And you know what? Not Nothing bad can come of that. Yeah, and the interesting thing also about Deshaun Watson, even though it would require a lot of draft capital, potentially some player capital, actually, potentially, almost certainly some player capital to make that deal happen, you don't close the book on it. And Deshaun Watson, even though he's not a draft and develop guy, would also fit something else that George Payton uh, referred to. He talked about the experiences the Vikings had at quarterback and uh, uh, he didn't get into detail on it. If you want to read the details, uh, read my two part piece on the DMVR.com about the Vikings quarterback moves while Peyton was there because they tried everything. 
they went to the playoffs with six different quarterbacks. So they found a way, but it wasn't ideal. And you could tell kind of reading between the lines of what George Payton said that trying to build a, a sustained contender and changing quarterbacks as often as the Vikings had to, that is not something he wants to replicate in Denver. He wants the long-term answer, the guy that is, is successful enough pushes toward the elite and that you can plug in for the next 10 years and say, we are set. We're not worrying about that. We got to build the team around him, but we are set at the quarter at the quarterback position. So I, I think if Deshaun Watson is available, they'll kick the tires. The other thing real quick about what the Vikings did at quarterback and how it relates to George Payton, the, the changes that happened they were because young guys had something happen. The first choice in Minnesota was always to draft and develop a quarterback for the long haul. But Traveris Jackson, who uh, was there a year before George Payton arrived, I believe he was a Rick Spielman pick, you know, Traveris Jackson fizzled. He was a second rounder in 06, fizzled out by the end of 08. They drafted Christian Ponder. He sputtered. He wasn't the guy. That, and that led them to draft another quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater who got hurt, and that led to Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins. Traveris Jackson fizzling led to Brett Favre. So their plan, their first choice all along was in Minnesota was draft and develop. Those big free agents in the Sam Bradford trade, those were contingency plans. So if his first choice is to draft and develop or find a young guy who can be the answer for 10 years, you do look at Watson, you do look at Drew Locke in the short term, you do start evaluating quarterbacks in this year's class and next year's class to kind of come up with a plan and then a backup plan, and then you go from there. How much do you look at Drew Locke if you're George Payton, Mace? What what, what did you take away on George Payton's reaction to Drew yesterday? Because to me, I don't think it was a ringing endorsement for Drew in any means. He was asked a question. It was a two-part question thrown out at one time, which is important. He he was asked, what did you think of Drew coming out of college? Because, of course, George did a lot of college work. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the, the second part of the question was, do you think you can win with him in the NFL? And he said that coming out of college, he liked Drew. Athletic, big arm, talented. He's a guy that he believes can develop. And then he said to the second part of your question, I'm not going to comment on that right now. That, Mace, <laughs> is telling you right there, he is not even close to being sold on Drew Locke. And it also tells you George Payne's a pretty honest guy because an easy answer just to wiggle out of that would have been, yeah, I think I think you can win. Look at what he's done. He, he has won a lot of games in the NFL in his first 18 games. You know, a 500 record, that's impressive right there. He could have he said that. Instead, he decided not to comment uh, and, and put his full support and confidence back to Drew. What, what he said about Drew was everything going into the draft process. Well, I think you mentioned the win-loss lecture on Drew Locke. We learned a while ago that the Vikings, as a metric, don't believe in QB wins. Because if they did, they would have kept Case Keenum. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And did that not prove to be the correct move there? I mean, Case Keenum came to Denver and and quickly kind of kind of fizzled out. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the quarterback he was in 2017. That proved to be the aberration. So, and now Case Keenum's a backup. 
and looks like he's settling in a career back to career backup territory. So you know what? That would show that they made the right call. I mean, the win-loss lecture hasn't been there for the Vikings, but uh, this past year, for example, I don't Kirk Cousins can't be blamed all that much. He had a terrific season. The team was top five in offense with him running Gary Kubiak's scheme. They just couldn't stop anybody for long stretches of the season. So Kirk Cousins has actually kind of done a lot of what they asked him to do just without the team success. So I think that that in and of itself is interesting. The lack of endorsement for Drew Locke, some of that is just kind of open-mindedness and, uh, and not wanting to kind of reveal and also not wanting to reveal his, his own hand. I mean, it's a, sort of reminds me of John Fox. Remember John Fox said you can consider all, everything or you can consider nothing. Yep. I don't think we're going to have uh, a Foxism quite like that from George Payton, but I think uh, one thing that I did kind of get from him yesterday was he is, he, he is adept at the art of saying some of saying something, but not revealing his own his, his entire hand. He's very cordial. He's he, he's by all accounts, not just from what we've seen, but from what uh, I've gathered, a, a very nice, very nice person, very good person to have in in charge of the Denver Broncos in terms Absolutely. of just the the quality of his character and uh, and and how and what he believes in in terms of collaborative effort and uh, getting a lot of voices uh, into the, in the draft room, but um, he's also not going to, he's also not going to tip his hand. And uh, I don't think he wants to tip his hand on what he believes. I don't. And I think he also, he truly wants to be open-minded and say, okay, I scouted Drew Locke. Now I'm going to study his pro film and see what's going on and, uh, and, and reconcile uh, what he did in the college ranks of what he did in the pros. I mean, it's possible that he may see some of the same, things that have concerned me, especially before that little surge that he had at the end of the year. He may say, oh, that some of the mistakes that he's making were mistakes that he made at Mizzou. And are these fixable or not? At minimum, I think the conclusion is you have a very strong backup. I would say probably a backup quarterback who is making more than the starting quarterback on a second round rookie contract. It's kind of awkward but that's just what this situation is probably going to dictate. Man, after yesterday, I do lower the chances that Drew Locke is a starting quarterback. We just said it on yesterday's pod. We said, yeah, we both think that Drew is the favorite. Uh, To me, that does take a step back because of of George Payton, uh, his comments yesterday. When John Elway talked about Drew, he gave his full support behind him. Not a big surprise, as we know that John is Drew's biggest supporter, but John's no longer making the decisions on Drew uh, in this roster anymore. John said he still likes Drew, thinks he can still develop, really gave him a pass for last year. And of course, there's plenty of reasons to do that uh, as well. But then he was asked, well, he was asked two things. Well, what if George wants to go a different direction? And John said, that's going to be entirely up to him. That's going to be his call. He can do that. And then (laughs) by Woody Page, he was pressed without saying Deshaun Watson's name. He was pretty much pressed if George Payton would have (laughs) the power to trade for Deshaun Watson by saying, what if George wants to trade three first round picks and two star players for, let's say, a franchise quarterback? In my mind, I think Woody's asking about Deshaun Watson. And John says, well, that would be a big decision, one that I would be involved in. But again, 
at the end of the day, this is George Payton's team. He can make the final decision on that. So we are seeing that even pushed to the, to the extents of the limits in the world here, that George Payton will have the final say. And when Vic Fangio was asked about the quarterback position, Mace, this is where I thought it was interesting. Vic said, I want George to form his own opinion. I don't want us mm-hmm. telling him what to think of Drew in the quarterback situation here. I want him to go to his own film study, then we'll reconvene. Again, it's just, it's just not outside of John Elway, Mace. I just didn't get the feeling that, that these guys are a hundred percent behind Drew and, and, and it's fair. They they don't have to be a hundred percent behind Drew, but Mace, when you're not 100% behind a quarterback, then you do have to do your work in the off season and see if there's better routes. You can't just say, sit back and say, well, let's see and hope if he can develop. Now you can, you can do that and explore other options and decide, okay, well, we don't think at pick nine, we can get a quarterback as good as Drew. So we're not going to draft a quarterback there in free agency. We can't get, excuse me, we can't get a starter better than Drew. So we're going to roll with Drew. So Drew can very well still be the starter here, but it's just the the narrative that we're hearing right now isn't a hundred percent confidence. Yeah. And the, the, uh, the unbiased eyes, I, I, I liked what was said there because Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, they've coached Drew Locke. They, have, they, they they probably have a little bit of an emotional attachment to him as one of their players. You know, we, you know, old cliche, we've, we've been to battle together. Well, the decision has to be based around more than that because you're changing who you bat, go to battle to overall in any, within any year anyway. Right. I mean, that's, that's just how, how it is in a league with changes. One, I asked this kind of rhetorically last night on Twitter, but I think it's kind of worth discussing here. And it's, it's worth noting in terms of what George Payton's evaluation is going to be. And it is how many teams would take that quarterback as their starter over their current first team or, or like for the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, how many teams would take Drew Locke over what they have or what they expect to have here later in the off season? I Probably mean, it, not many. Right. And if the, and I said, as I said last night, if you can count the answer to that question on one hand, you're looking for another quarterback. Right. That's uh, that's the that's the bottom line because in any given year you're going to see two to five quarterbacks drafted in the first round anyway, and you draft a guy in the first round. That's where the intent of that quarterback becoming your long term starter if things work out well. So you look around the league and say, where would Drew Locke be the clear starter? I mean, maybe Indianapolis today, in the wake of Philip Rivers's retirement. Um. Washington, perhaps, because who knows if Alex Smith is going to get going to get healthy and uh, they cut Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Kyle Allen's just kind of you know, just a guy, basically. Someone suggested to me Carolina and I thought, mm, no, I think they'd probably still go with Bridgewater right. over Drew Locke, all things being equal. Even though the they got to of- see the Drew Locke wrath in first person. <laughs> right. The, the list of teams that would take Drew Locke over their starter or projected starter right now is very small. It's, it's, it's a, I, I asserted the same thing last year with Joe Flacco, and one of the problems I had with the Broncos trading for him was how many other teams would take Joe Flacco as their starter right now? Broncos did, but how many others would? Yeah. And if, again, if that's a single, if that's, if that's a, a number from one to five, then you're like, okay, 
let's let's be in the hunt, as uh, the late Irv Brown would say. Let's uh, let's get in the hunt for one of these quarterbacks. Right, exactly. And now, Mace, a reason why he may stick with Drew this year is because he believes what he said about the developing part, that the developing can happen uh, and, and he can take that next step. Or the fact that what we just talked about, that there's not a better option out there without mortgaging the farm for the Broncos. And let's say they can't get in on Deshaun Watson. He's the best option for them this year. And also what I've been told of don't be surprised if George Payton just really takes a step back this year uh, and evaluates everything before making any changes. Mace, we did hear that he is going to hire a right-hand man, although, and it will be 100% his call on who that is, although he's not in a rush to do that. A little bit of a surprise. I thought he may want to get that guy in right now in order to be his right-hand man from the get-go, but it, mm-hmm. he wants to just see how everything goes. He's meeting with the coaching staff tomorrow. He's meeting with the scouting department today. He's meeting with Richard Tato later this weekend, uh, of course, the salary cap guy. Uh, and he is really going to evaluate. I believe he told Nine News last night, um, Mace, that he's not going to make any changes, if any changes, with this scouting department until after the draft. He is really taking uh, a step back, seeing what's going on here before making any changes. And that could absolutely happen with the Broncos roster as well. Yeah, and... Um... You look at him evaluating the scouting department, the personnel department, a guy who could benefit from this is Brian Stark, who was in the interview process to be the general manager. And he was the internal candidate. If George Payton sees something he likes in Brian Stark, Stark could kind of move up to that, uh, that, that, that Matt Russell level. But I think Payton wants to take really a judicious approach to everything, a, a judicious approach to personnel in terms of uh, which people he keeps, uh, which people he moves on from. And the roster as well. And um, that's where the line that uh, Woody Page, you know, threw into threw into his piece over the weekend from a anonymous NFL personnel executive who said could be a step backward, take three steps forward is something to really think about here. And uh, maybe this year, if they ride with Drew Locke and he isn't what you expect him to be, maybe that is what the step backward looks like that he, that he has some improvement, but not enough to be a viable, a viable quarterback. And then the great leap forward comes from getting a potential early draft pick at quarterback and putting him in there in 2022 and beyond. And so it may be, a li- there may be some short-term pain for some long-term gain. I mean, I would, Zach, it wouldn't even surprise me to see the Broncos be in asset accumulation mode, not just in terms of potentially trading down, if they don't want to go up in this draft, although going up is possible, but trade down to get future assets or even a trade of a player for future draft assets. I mean, for example, uh, let's talk about Cortland Sutton. He's coming off the injury, so his value may not be very high, uh, or at least not as high as it would have been 12 months ago. But if Jerry Judy takes the next takes the next step, and of course you got KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick in there. If you, if you know that you might not be able to keep Cortland Sutton because of all the receivers that you are accumulating, then wouldn't it behoove you to trade Cortland Sutton for more than you would get in terms of compensatory value? And that would be for the 2023 draft. You'd probably get a, a round three, three pick in that draft cycle. So these are things that you think about as you think about as well. I mean, Peyton and Rick Spielman were willing to trade Stephon Diggs. 
And uh, but Stefan Diggs wasn't all that happy. Cortland Sutton appears happy in Denver. So the dynamic is a little bit different. But these are things you do have to think about. Yeah. And the trading down Mace this year makes just so much sense with accumulating draft picks for this year, for next year, really letting uh, George Payton just get his arsenal ready. So when he's ready to take that shot, whether it's trading for someone and acquiring someone and giving up picks to do it or getting picks so that when he wants a quarterback next year, he's able to move up for it, or he's able to Mm -hmm. draft 15 guys like he did last year. That is something that I don't think we're going to see many five player drafts from George Payton Mace you and I are going to be very busy on draft day food under the George Payton era because he wants all the swings he can take at draft picks and it makes sense and we really are in a new era of Broncos football now Mace we have to retrain the way we think of what moves the Broncos will make what moves the Broncos won't make and we're already doing that look I thought Justin Simmons was out the door he said his goodbyes Justin honestly thought he was out the door just two weeks ago when he said a farewell to us now it looks like justin simmons is almost a lock to come back even with the huge price tag he's going to get uh it, now we're drafting and developing maybe not spending big on free agents and who the heck knows what he wants with the quarterback well and something really interesting about drafting and accumulating picks um the broncos in the last decade often had a philosophy of kind of projecting what their roster was going to be. And sometimes they would say, okay, well, let's go ahead and consolidate some picks because looking at our roster, and we really only see kind of six spots here when we're projecting out. And yes, you're open-minded to the guy who emerging in camp, but every team goes into even the off season with a, with an, a general guesstimate of how their 53 man roster is going to look when the season starts. And so the Broncos, you know, sometimes it's say, okay, we've effectively, we got, we're, you know, we've got a lot of depth here. We can, you know, do some trades up and we can consolidate some picks or we can get some future capital because there just aren't enough roster spots. That's not the way the Vikings operated. Like for example, with 15 picks and now 15 picks last year, they were concentrating the back end. Eight of those picks were after uh, were round five or later, and then uh, eleven of those picks were round four or later. I mean, that's the kind of thing that makes sports writers nervous. Gives them uh, the willies a little bit talking about how many things they have to write on day three. Um, but I love to see that. I I, I love having I, I love having a lot of capital. I love being able to take some shots to take some chances on guys that kind of fall through the draft and say, okay, let's uh. Let's take a flyer on this guy. Um, you know, maybe he's, you know, maybe unexpectedly fallen, but uh, but but he can help us out. And the Vikings, they have they have found some some helpful players uh, of that way over the years. I mean, uh, one example that's familiar to uh, to people here in Colorado, uh, BC Johnson from Colorado State, who uh, fell to the seventh round, twenty nineteen. Uh, Vikings uh, took a flyer on him uh, with a two hundred forty seventh overall pick. And he had a he had a nice rookie season, three touchdowns, thirty one catches, a little bit off in a year two, but but kind of you know okay, you can find guys, and uh, the more picks you have, the more shots you can take there. I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah, and so like I said, just a new era in Broncos mm-hmm. country today, Mace. Uh, don't expect any big changes coming anytime soon. Uh, not just in the next few weeks, but even the next few months, and then we'll see what he does with signing some players. 
one thing kind of newsworthy, he said he wasn't sure if he was going to go down to the senior bowl next week. Of course, it's a lot different. Teams have limits on how many people can go into the, what they kind of call the restricted area, which is uh, the lobby of the headquarters hotel and, uh, and, and interview players. But that being said, the opportunities for in-person inter- interaction or even just even just bumping into people are so limited that I do think it would behoove George Payton to, to go down to Mobile. I mean, he'll, there'll be uh, members of the Broncos scouting staff there, but I think it would help George Payton to go down there and uh, maybe have a maybe have an in-person inter- interaction or two with social distance that you're not going to be able, able to have uh, the rest of this offseason as everything in the draft goes virtual. And Mace, here's here's why he would go down there is he's the ultimate grinder. He's the ultimate tape guy. He wants to see those guys in person. Here's why he wouldn't is he has about a million things to do and only a hundred hours or days to do this. So he he has so much on his plate where that may just not be uh, efficient enough for him to do it. So it will be interesting. I would have thought that he would go down there, but if he doesn't, I understand just with how much is on his plate. Yeah, it's perfectly understandable. But uh, like you said, he's a grinder. I mean, I think uh, uh, George Payton is the is the type of GM who's uh, who's who's going to show up at, uh, at at Shrine Bowl practice uh, early and start talking to guys. But, but beforehand, I remember I remember seeing this video um, one year from the Shrine Bowl where it was like a video or a picture. It was about seven o'clock in the morning. And uh, it was at the headquarters hotel over the trade winds on St. Pete beach in Florida. And you had scouts from one team who were there early talking to every player that could get their hands on. And that's the Patriots. And uh, George Payton has that kind of grind to him. I think, uh, I think, I think, I think he's going to help the Broncos. I think he's going to be a rising tide that lifts all boats over in personnel. I'm excited to see what he does. And maybe some Crimson Tide quarterbacks will be helping to rise oh, that tide. Oh, oh. you <laughs> had to go there, didn't you? You know what? We had uh, just, to. I know. You know, if if you told me that Sam Howell was the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow next year, I'm like, like I'll be like, great. Just <laughs> see if Drew Locke can be the guy, have a backup behind him. But uh, if not, accumulate draft capital, move up and uh, and go get Big, go go get Big Sam from North Carolina. I'd be uh, I'd be all for that, but we'll see. I and Mace, we we have way more quarterback conversation oh. in the oh, comment section, and so much more. I mean, we we only skimmed the surface on everything we learned yesterday. But before we talk to the people, Mace, gotta tell them about DraftKings Sportsbook and UFC's most notorious icon is stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. Be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of USC, for a shot to turn one dollar into two hundred and fifty-seven dollars. That's right. Right. New users can bet $1 on McGregor to win by knockout in the first round this weekend. And if he does, you'll be cashing in $257. Win, bet a little, win a lot. It's that simple. And of course, we also got two awesome playoff football games on Sunday. And of course, plenty of college and pro basketball you can bet on. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the App Store now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook, 
Facebook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up for a chance to turn $1 into $257 if McGregor wins by first round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code DNVR for new players to get $257 if McGregor wins by first round knockout. For a limited time only, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Well, tell us what you got going with that, what they've got going on over at Breckenridge Brewery. Of course, the official beer of DMVR. If you're in the Denver area, they've got something really cool happening that you're going to want to get in on. They've got a great giveaway. They've teamed up with your Colorado Avalanche to deliver v- beer via Zamboni before Avs games in the last week of January. Think about that as Zamboni pulling right up to your home, right up to your, your building with some of those delicious Breckenridge brews. So here's what you got to do to enter. If you live in the Denver area, head to breckbrew.com slash Zamboni delivery sweepstakes, or you don't remember all that. Just go to breckbrew.com then click on the Zamboni link and sign up. That's it. Must be 21 to enter, live in Denver, and winners will be picked via lottery. The last day to enter is on January 28th. So get in while the getting's good. Five deliveries will happen on January 30th, five more on the 31st. And guess what? You don't just get some of those delicious Breck brews via Zamboni. You've also get a, a, got a prize pack if you win that includes an avalanche LED light that you'd want in your man or woman cave. So what do you have to lose? Go sign up at breckbrew.com slash Zamboni delivery sweepstakes and get in on your chance to get beer delivered to you via Zamboni. Of course, don't forget in the Denver area about the farmhouse, the restaurant they've got down there, brewery in Littleton. It's right off Santa Fe. You can call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. And make sure you use that magical code DNVR and get $5 off your meal. You can also get some beer down there as part of your order. They have the full array of Breckenridge brews, including my personal favorite, uh, the the Resolution. I I like a good fruity beer, and uh, that fits the bill, especially at this time of year for a New Year's resolution. Don't forget about that 15-can sampler. You can get it through Drizzly or at plenty of spots throughout Colorado and beyond. And if anywhere in the country you want to find out where you can get some of those delicious Breckenridge brews, go to breckbeer.com or breckbrew.com, pardon me, and check out the Breck Beer Finder, and you'll be able to find some Breckenridge brews. Odds are not too far from wherever you are. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Mace, first comment coming in from World of Suck. And before we jump into the comments, guys, got to tell you about where to leave these comments. Had a few people reach out to me in the past couple of days, so I want to let everyone know where you leave these comments. Go to thednvr.com. At the top of the page, there's a podcast bar. Click on that, then click on the Broncos podcast one. It's the first one to pop up because, of course, we're the best here. And then when you're on that page, uh, the a bunch of uh, podcasts, our most recent podcast will show up. Click on the one on the very top that's our most recent one and when you do that scroll to the bottom of that page in a comment section will magically appear and if you're if one of our members you will have the opportunity to leave a comment there so that's what you do how you leave a question and world of suck did that to get his comment read on this pod he says haven't commented in a while but after listening to peyton's press conference today here's my offseason projections simmons becomes the highest paid safety shelby harris resigns von restructures to become a bronco for life aj johnson gets a first 
round tender, only about 1 million more than a second round tender. Tim Patrick, second round tender. Philip Lindsay, original round tender. AJ Boye, trader release. Casey, trader release. With the first round pick, they'll trade back to accumulate 2022 capital. Peyton will also make one splashy acquisition with the team looking to shed cap space. What do you think, fellas? Well, that splashy acquisition, um, you hope it looks like uh, like Jarrell Casey or H.A. Boye instead of, in terms of trade value. I know the name Marshawn Lattimore is popping up uh, in a lot of circles because the Saints can part ways with him and have no dead money, quality cornerback. But if the price of admission for Marshawn Lattimore is a first-round pick, given what you said there, world of suck, I think the Broncos would pass on somebody like him. But this, in general, though, Saints are about to have a fire sale of epic proportions here. The likes of which we haven't seen. It, yes, they are. They may they may not even be able to afford to keep uh, Jameis Winston. This this could be a galactically bad year for the New Orleans Saints. The yes. bill is due, and the cap being at one hundred and eighty million dollars, which hey, it's five million dollars more than it could have been, according to reports. It's going to be around one hundred and eighty million, but it's still. Uh, a drop off of of over 18 million from where it was supposed to be this year and the saints were in bad shape anyway boy the, there there are going to be some some players available and uh maybe the broncos can find their find a way to get to to get one of them uh in the short term as well Yes, very, very well, potentially. And just one thing I wanted to comment on here, World of Suck, if you're putting an original round tender on Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay will be with another team this yep. year. So that's why I do think it'll be a second round tender, especially with George Payton knowing how important Philip Lindsay is to this community uh, and and how good he's, he's been in keeping guys that you didn't necessarily draft, but you helped develop here. So I would think that's the only thing that I really disagree on is I think that'll be a second round tender. Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't think they want to run the risk of letting him go. And Lindsay wasn't drafted, but he mm-hmm. has been developed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, that, and that matters too. 219 Bronco. Hey, guys non-bronco specific question for you what would each of you say is the greatest most memorable sports moment you were there to witness live i'll start mine would either have to be being at the big 10 tournament last year when rudy gobert tested positive for covid and the nba announced they were canceling the rest of the season the buzz throughout that stadium was unlike anything i witnessed before or being at the cubs first world series parade in 108 years what say you boys and and 219 bronco adds To specify, the NBA canceling the season due to COVID wasn't a great moment, but definitely memorable. And yet, you know what, 219 Bronco, in terms of memorable, I don't think that one's going to be top for you. Not great, but memorable. I mean, I think think all of us remember where we were when all of that was going down in in the sports sense, in the – not just the sports sense, but just in the kind of news sense – Gobert testing positive was the domino that that started everything falling as far as uh, how our existences have changed in in the time of COVID. It's not yeah. not just sports, but beyond that. You know, that night I was taking my daughter to go see SpongeBob the Musical, and then as I was uh, on my way down to Denver, I, I heard that Gobert tested positive. I heard it on the radio and I'm driving to the Denver performing arts center and I see P 
people going to, you know, people parking and they're going to an Avs game at the then Pepsi center that night. And they're going into this, uh, this performance at the theater. And it hit me like, there is not going to be another night like this for a long time. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Cause and it was all happening so fast. Yeah. That that's a very memorable moment. It may something that we'll talk about a lot more in depth because it's definitely a first segment conversation, but something we found out yesterday was it's just not going to impact last year. It, it, this, mm. the COVID is also going to impact the Broncos this year, potentially very significantly because what did we hear all of last year, Mace about, especially with the Broncos, just how much of a disadvantage they were put at with the young offense, not being able to have an off season program in person. Well, yesterday, uh, the NFLPA executive director told agents on a call that there's no rosy outlook on widespread mm-hmm. vaccinations of players by August and OTAs and mini camps likely will be virtual again. He said, we're planning for an offseason that looks like a lot like the 2020 offseason. This is coming from Tom Pelissero last night. Mace, that is huge for the Broncos in potentially a very bad way. Again, that's something that we can dive into a lot more on a later mm-hmm. pod, but that, that was just some, some recent news and that's uh, not good because it, then the Broncos are, you know, they've told us how important this off season is going to be to be together. And right. if they can't do that, it's hard to under hard to think that it's not a big deal. Right. And I know obviously uh, the some Broncos players talked about the, you know, how thing, it would help the, to get together. I know Bradley Chubb alluded to that. But in general, you have to view this kind of from a 35,000 foot league wide perspective. J.C. Treader, the, uh, the player president of the NFLPA, has argued that OTA should be scrapped entirely. So you probably have NFLPA leadership that is perfectly fine with not gathering this year the nfl on their side you know if they if if they are looking at an environment where they would have to go back to having daily testing for players to get through otas the league doesn't the league and its teams don't want that expense they probably don't think it's worth it for for three weeks of practice of 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 on-field work uh can be more than that in terms of individual stuff but really they, they don't think it's a they probably don't think it's worth the expense there. The players, the players, most of them do not want to come back to a scenario where they're going through the tests every day again. Right. And um, I know fans may say, well, oh, put them in a bubble for a couple of weeks. That's, that's, that's not what, that's not what they want. That's, right. uh, that's not, that's not something that in general, there are individual players that I'm sure want it, but the players association as a collective is not going to fight for that. So, if we are looking at a summer timeline, and actually I was looking at the uh, the state of Colorado and uh, its website on COVID and uh, the current uh, the the current um, process, and the state of Colorado is talking about people six, age sixteen, age fifty nine, not getting vaccines until the summer. So, right. you know, and all the NFL players go in player there. Falls yeah. into that. <laughs> Even Tom Brady falls into that. Even Tom Brady and the NFL has made it clear. They will not jump the line, nor should they, it would be, it would be sociopathic for the NFL to jump the line. Yeah. And they, they're not going to, they've said that, right. They're not going to do that. So another year without OTAs is something that uh, appears likely to be in the cards. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll see 
if if we are looking at a summer timeline for vaccinations of the general population, the, that would make you that that would lead everyone to have plenty of optimism. I think about the regular season and even the preseason, yeah, being able to be contested and take place as normal. But OTAs and minicamp, I'd say it's very likely they're going to be a casualty once again. And, exactly, that, and like you exactly. said, that's not that is not good news for Drew Locke. It's not good news for this young offense. They need the reps. Exactly, exactly, Mace. All right, so Mace, what was uh, what's your greatest, most memorable sports moment that you've been in person for? Uh well, good good question. Um, I I'd have to say I was there when the Patriots came back from twenty eight three down to the Falcons and been to some Super Bowls over the years. Super Bowl 25 was a great game. Scott Norwood missed the kick, but 28-3 is one of those moments. It's funny. We remember this, the score of the Falcons lead. We don't the, more than the final score. I'll bet you more people identify 28-3 than 34-28. Absolutely. 34-28 was the final, but that comeback in the biggest game of all, I know it was really sad for anyone who's anti-Tom Brady, anti-Patriots to watch, but, uh, you know, it was memorable. That, that, that jumps out to me. Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a great one to be in person for Mace. Uh, t- tell me if you recognize this one, Tim Tebow drops back, hits Demarius Thomas on a slant DT's off to the races, stiff arm, and he's in the end zone, 80 yard uh, touchdown that, uh, of course the, uh, Tim Tebow, Demarius Thomas, walk-off touchdown against the Steelers in the playoffs. I was there for as a uh, as a fan before I was mm-hmm. covering the team. And man, that was uh, that was something else. That was definitely the most memorable thing I've been to in person in, in terms of a sporting event. Yeah, in, in Broncos history, that in home games, that's right up there. And I would say, in in terms of Broncos games that I've seen. It's in person. It's that. It's Champ Bailey nearly going the distance. Yeah. And uh, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for Peyton Manning coming back in <laughs> against the Chargers in week 17 of the 2015 season in the second half to save the season and save the team. Another great Peyton memory I'll have is uh, being out there in San Diego when the Chargers led 24 nothing and the Broncos, thanks to a Peyton playing out of his mind and a defense that was making big plays. The Broncos came storming back in the second half from that 24 point deficit. That was fun to see too. There a lot of memorable moments, but the reason why 28, three stands out is that's, that is just, that's one of those signature league wide moments. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, that, that, that's an awesome one, Mace. Next one. Great question. Next one coming in from Casper fellas with new Orleans and cap hell next season. Are there any players from their roster you could see being cut or traded? That would be a good fit for the Broncos. Well, I mentioned Marshawn uh, Lattimore earlier and uh, there's going to be a great deal of interest league wide in, 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 in him. So he might be tough to get without sacrificing a first round pick. And uh, I don't think the Broncos are going to give up that first round pick uh, for Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, that's the kind of deal that you would make if you're closer than the Broncos are right now. 
And kind of based on what George Payton is saying, draft, develop, and uh, I think he's playing the long game. I don't think that he maybe regards the Broncos as being uh, really close, really at the cusp of contending. And part of it is, hey, you've got Patrick Mahomes in your division that you're going to have to contend with, and uh, you've got to get the uh, you got to get that uh, that situation right. There are there are some others. I mean, Taysom Hill could be on the market, but you don't really need him. I mean, actually, if anything, Certainly you kind of saw. Not. In that game back in November when the Broncos had to play Kendall Hinton at quarterback, that he he didn't really bring it. Restructures are going to be in place because the interesting thing with a lot of these Saints contracts that they're going to have to divest themselves of is that the, the dead money for a lot of these guys outweighs the cap savings. Like, for example, Taron Armstead at tackle, there, there is a, a little over – there's $9.6 of dead money a little under 6.7 of cap savings if they if they trade him. Uh, Jared Jared Cook, if they trade him, there's literally no cap savings because uh, all that's left is uh, the pro-rate portion of his signing bonus, two, $2 million. They're, Cameron Jordan, the Saints, if they traded him, would get $2 million of cap savings and would have $16.9 million of dead money. Mm-hmm. This is a mess. This is – Zach, this is the most horrific – single year cap situation I've ever seen, not just in terms of how far they are over the cap, but the lack of easily divestible contracts that they have here. It's absurd. Yeah. Mace, we're going to see how good of a coach Sean Payton really is. If he truly is without Drew Brees and and, uh, tons of the rest of his roster as well, maybe he should have gotten out a year ago or something. Maybe he tries to get suspended for a year so he doesn't have to go through this. <laughs> oh, well, he's done it before. Uh, but Mace, I, I, what what I'll say about uh, the Broncos trading for pieces is uh, George Payton yesterday, like we talked about, said he'll be involved in every deal. So he probably will make a call. But he said last week that he will act when the time is right and will strike when it's hot. And this just may not be the time to strike for a first-round pick for Marshawn Lattimore or big-time moves. Now, maybe they're acquiring a guy for a day-three pick, and sure, I could see that happening, but I don't expect a big trade to happen there. Yeah, I, I don't think I, – I really don't think so either. I think um, there are other teams that are going to be in play. Uh, I, I would I would watch to, to see if the Broncos try to get some guys who are cut, but I don't, I don't think a big trade is coming. Next one from Pig Tosser 66. Zach, my boy. So I sat down with a 15 cam sample of Breck Brew to see how many I had to slam before I could get myself to join you in your views on Aaron Rodgers not being good and Mac Jones being a top 10 pick, but I end up passing out first. I'm just playing, man. Sort of. Is it getting is it? It is getting hard for me to trust you on Mac when you notoriously dismiss the skills of a quarterback who is approaching the all-time top 10 status in Rodgers, for you still my guy on most other things. Question for each of you. Okay, before we go there, Mace, I typically have to do this about once a year, and I think the time has come for this year to reset and tell people where I stand with Aaron Rodgers. Mace, one of the biggest things, and really the reason that I got this viewpoint on Aaron Rodgers was because the past 10 years, even more so than 10 years, a lot of people around the country would say Aaron Rodgers is the, is the best quarterback in the league. He, he's the most talented guy. He, he has everything you could ever want. He's the most talented. He's the best. I'm saying 
what what are you talking about? No, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, uh, even Ben Roethlisberger, more successful than than Aaron Rodgers. Well, he's the most talented. Okay, if he's the most talented, then he has underperformed uh, greatly because if he's the most talented and is you know the fifth most successful current day quarterback, then he has significantly uh, uh, underperformed and he is overrated because people just point to his talents and they say, oh, he's so talented, he's so talented. Well, then why doesn't he do something with that talent now? Has he done a lot? Yes, Mace. He has done a lot. But he has he done a lot to be one of the most talented athletes and quarterbacks ever played? No, he has not. And so for this guy, who some people say is the most talented quarterback to ever play, to just be entering in the top 10 conversation, I stand by what I think of him on him being an overrated guy. Now, does he put up the, the regular season stats most of the time? Yeah, he certainly does. But Mace, this will be his, if he loses to Tom Brady this weekend, this will be his fourth consecutive NFC championship game that he's lost four straight. That is not clutch at all. That is not one of the greatest of all time doing it right there. John Elway was getting to Super Bowls when he was with bad teams. Aaron Rodgers has not been able to get there. Only one Super Bowl. So do I go overboard uh, it, at times? Of course I do. It's just, it's part of the fun. But I truly do believe that he, he is over it. Can he prove me wrong? Absolutely. He can prove me wrong. And here's another thing, Mace current day NFL past 20 or so years, not take, not, not talking about a quarterback's rookie season, all time. Great quarterbacks don't have losing seasons. Peyton Manning does not have losing seasons. Tom Brady does not have losing seasons. Aaron Rodgers had one of those just three years ago, going six and nine. I don't think an all-time quarter, but like a, a true, true, true top elite quarterback of all time does that. in the modern day NFL. The problem is like you're you're going into QB wins territory, and I thought you were better than QB wins, Zach. QB wins because <laughs> you're it. talking about you're talking about QB wins in the playoffs, and you just you just went through a you just mentioned a six nine in one season in which the relationship between the, not only the coach and the quarterback, but the coach and the team, the coach in the front office, hell, the coach in the entire state of Wisconsin had become so problematic that uh, that they were headed for a divorce. No, oh, by the way, once they got Mike McCarthy out of the building, what's happened since then? They've gone 13 and three twice. And Aaron Rodgers has, play, has, has played, has, has played absolutely sterling football. You know, he's, and if we're going to play the QB wins, playoff wins argument, you know what? Peyton Manning did not get his second Lombardi trophy until his, it's last season, his 18th season in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers, he's on year 16, but uh, he's actually only on – he's on year 13 as a starter. The book isn't closed on him. He's playing the best football of his of his career right now at the age of 37, Zach. Mace, Mace, he looks I like he can keep going. I said he can prove me wrong, and, and, I, and I'm, yeah. I, I think just like uh, – any reporter and analyst it should should be willing to change their stance, but he he needs to prove it to me again, Mace. J just the, the the and that's another thing that's blamed. Oh well, Mike McCarthy well, was too tough for Aaron Rodgers. No, 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 no. Great quarterbacks no. overcome that. Great quarterbacks do not have six, nine, and one. See, and of course, when I say great, I'm talking about elite. Don't have six, nine, and one seasons in today's NFL. I stand is, by that. Is Drew Brees a great quarterback? No, he he is not. He is not a top ten all time quarterback. Wait, he's, he's so a great quarterback. He's a wait, Hall wait, of Fame wait. quarterback. Only the top ten all time are great. 
No, Mace, that's what I said. When I say great, I'm talking about like all timers. Drew, Drew Brees is an extremely good Hall of Fame. I, I'm not just talking about Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Mace. I'm talking about the top of the top. And Drew Brees okay. isn't, is, isn't in that conversation. Is John Elway one of those quarterbacks? Yeah, but we're talking modern day NFL. The the quarterback position well, has, oh, such, so, has such a so difference. His, so his losing seasons don't count then. He had, he had, he was part of a 5 and 11 season. He was part of a 7 and 9 season. He was yeah, part abs- of uh, yeah, Mo- yeah, modern day quarterbacks have way more uh, of an impact and control of a team's success than in the past. Well, literally, I mean, you're talking about I mean, you're talking about the smallest possible sample size. I mean, you've got right. you get, you've yep. you have Tom you have Tom Brady and again, right. it's also and pay, and it's also the, it's also the it's also the QB wins thing. And, and, and that's why, I mean, offhand, I always, I, I just, I dismiss QB wins because, you know, you, you take a, you, you take Tom Brady and he had Bill Belichick. And obviously we've seen this year, Belichick didn't win without Brady. Brady's winning without Belichick. But if you say, oh, Brady's winning without Belichick. That's also saying, you know, what Bruce Arians is, is chopped liver. Bruce Arians is one of the greatest quarterback tutors in the history of the game. Ask Peyton Manning about Bruce Arians. Ask Ben Roethlisberger about Bruce Arians. So it's, it's, it's not like Tom Brady went from hero to zero when he went from Bill Belichick to Bruce Arians. He went from arguably the greatest coach to someone who's pretty good, probably in the top, top five to six coaches in the game right now. So, you know, that's, Brady's had some, had some advantageous situations, you know, and I mean, how many, look, it was six, nine and one. He had, it was one bad season and then turned around and went 13 and three the next year when a few things, few, few things changed. Brett Favre was part of a four and 12 season in the 21st century. Yeah. Brett Favre is not Her, one of those elite court. He's not in my top five. He He's not, he's not close to my top he, five all time okay. quarterbacks. It's, it's top five now, not not now, not top ten because it was top ten earlier. I'm talking about no Mesa. I never said it was a hard line top ten. I'm just talking about the the elites, the the Mount Rushmore types, the guys that are in the Mount Rushmore conversation. I don't have a I don't have a strict top ten, top five. There, there can only be four guys on Mount Rushmore, Zach. Mace, if great great quarterbacks are able to win and carry a team to at least a winning record. And that's where I stand with Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't expect people to follow me. This, this is a hot take. Yeah. So I don't expect the majority of people to follow me, but that's where I stand right now. Uh, Tom Brady goes from the the Patriots. What happens when, when they lose Tom Brady? They're a losing team right away. Pretty clear that Tom Brady, what was it between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? He goes to a team that did not make the playoffs last year. Your Bucks, Mace. Now he has them on the verge of a Super Bowl. It, it's pretty hard to not give credit to Tom Brady. And at the same time, what does Peyton Manning do? He leaves an organization, something that people rarely do when you're as good as Peyton Manning. And then he goes to the Denver Broncos, takes them from being a team led with Tim Tebow. He takes them to every single AFC West title, takes them to the Super Bowl twice. That is what I'm talking about. That is the all-time quarterbacks. And people say, oh, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, one of the all-time most talented people. Well, then he hasn't lived up to that yet. That's where I stand with that. Zach, Zach, Zach. And Mace, <sighs> quarterback wins. And I, I understand I, you don't want to talk about quarterback wins, but you have to. They're talk not about- a stat. 
they're not an official stat. You have to talk about team success when you talk about the most important position in sports. You have to. You have to talk about team success, but you have to acknowledge that the team is a that the team is a part of that. That what's around is part of that. Because I mean, let's you know, we go back and uh, and look at John Elway. John Elway doesn't get the big rings on his finger until there's a team around him. Not modern day. Oh God! See, and then and now you're now you're shrinking the sample size again to where it's uh, something that's well. You have to because the game, because the game has changed, Mace. But you can adjust for you can adjust for era. The, the, I mean, I I adjust for passer rating based on era. Measure it differently than in the 1990s than, than I do today to get to get a nice little cross era comparison. This is something, Zach, that you and I are never going to agree on. This is and like that's a three fine. to disagree territory. That, that's fine. But you would. But you admit it's a hot take. That's that's the thing that I find hilarious. You admit it's a hot take. Well, I I, I admit <laughs> that it's against the grain, and that's what hot takes are is, is when when yeah. they're against the grain. So I don't expect people to I don't expect everyone to follow my lead. Although there have been a lot of people kind of jumping on the bandwagon the past few years, especially last year after he wasn't able to beat San Francisco 49ers. It's again. It's, that's why it's my pick of the week. Is because the team you're, you're it's giving the, it's a team giving still Tom, a team game. Uh, mm, no, Mace. Old I mean, Tom, Tom Brady is proving that right now. It is absolutely about the quarterback. You don't have Tom Brady. The Patriots go what six and six and ten, seven and nine. Uh, it, the Tampa Bay Bucks don't have Tom Brady. They don't make the playoffs. They get him one year later. Pretty much the same team as last year, and uh, they are almost they're one game away from the Super Bowl. It's the quarterback. Ugh. <laughs> good conversation there. We're, we're having a lot of these good conversations. Pick tosser 66 goes on yeah. and says, well, well, yeah, but also don't forget with the Patriots, they had, uh, you know, they, they had guys like Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower opting out of the season because of COVID. So remember their defense also took a hit. Their defense took a hit. Their defense was really helping hold them up in 2019 as well. And they basically went in without two of their three most talented players this year too. Trying to so. discount Tom Brady. <laughs> no, right. I'm just, I, I'm back. just, I'm just pointing out. I'm just pointing out facts here. It wasn't just, it wasn't just Tom Brady and the loss of him that sent the Patriots on a spiral. I don't think if they if, had those two guys, they would be uh, playing the Chiefs in the in the AFC Championship game this week like they would if they and, had Tom Brady. And if they'd replaced Tom Brady with a league average quarterback, I think it would have been turned out a lot different for the Patriots as well. The problem was they replaced Tom Brady with with one of the bottom three quarter teams and one of the bottom three quarterback production levels in the NFL this year. So anyway, <laughs> Tosser 66 goes on. says, question for each of you. You are George Payton. What are five realistic moves you make in your first year as GM? Well, I'll tell you a couple moves. I think he will make, I think he will absolutely sign Justin Simmons up. Um, I, I think that Tim Patrick, Shelby Harris, Philip Lindsay, I mean, I guess these are mine. These are my five right here. will be around at least for another year, meaning a second round tender for Tim Patrick, a second round tender for Philip Lindsay. Uh, and, and I believe that he will sign Shelby Harris up to a long-term deal. Yeah. Sh Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons and Shelby, you didn't draft him, but there's a developed guy. Because when you brought him in, he was a reserve future contract guy. It was kind of uh, – was basically on the fringe. It was almost over for Shelby Harris as an NFL player. And they developed him into one of the more disruptive interior forces in the game. And since he's going to likely be cheaper than Jarrell Casey if you brought Casey back, 
that's an easy move, right? To cut Jarrell Casey and re-sign Shelby Harris. Yes. Yeah. That okay. that's the way right. of the future. Right. So Simmons, Shelby Harris, um, accumulate draft capital for next year. You'd like to get a, a round one pick for 2022. Uh, one thing also to consider as well, and why you might want to consider trading down and accumulating capital for 2022 is the fact that this year could be the, a bigger crapshoot than most years in the draft with a short college season for a lot of schools, FCS schools, not playing at all in the fall with, with some rare exceptions, including North Dakota state playing that one-off game. So it would actually, I think, benefit the Broncos to consider trading down and getting future capital uh, for this year. So that's that's another move. Um, it's you're going to see a, a veteran Hagit quarterback, I think, on the depth chart. And then fifth move is, uh, I think, the picks that you do make this year, you go DB heavy, cornerback heavy in particular. Yep. Patrick Maybe, Sertan at nine potentially, or you trade down and you go to the next, you go to the next wave of cor- of cornerbacks. And maybe this is something, maybe not to this extreme, but you remember the Broncos draft in 05 where they opened corner, corner, corner with Darren Williams, D- D- Dominique Foxworth and Carl Pema. Maybe you go corner three out of your first four picks to open this draft. Yeah, that would be something else. Wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. It's, it would probably strike at what, the Broncos really need. Yeah. So it, anyway, it and, and you know what? John Elway would, would get behind that. He'd be proud. Yep. Orange and blue Aussie. Interesting thing in regards to the Deshaun Watson potential trade that must be considered. Houston is 18.7 million over the cap at this point. Here's who they can cut dead money and cap savings that benefits from the most. JJ Watt, zero dead money, 17.5 million cap savings. David Johnson, Zero dead money, 8.8 million cap savings. Brandon Cook, zero dead money, 12 million cap savings. Duke Johnson, zero dead money, 5 million cap savings. So they can get under the cap without a problem, but everyone that gives savings is going to weaken, but cutting everyone that gives savings is going to weaken the team a lot. What would you do? Who would you keep if you were Houston? Now here's the Watson problem. Trade before June 1, 21.6 million dead money and 5.6 million in cap losses. Trade after June 1, 5.4 million dead money, 10.5 million cap savings. Houston will want to wait on the trade till after June one. Can you guys envision a way this goes to June one? Does this help some teams and hurt others? I know every team wants to have their QB soared by the end of the draft. Would this help the Broncos chances as we have lock as a hedge to the Watson trade? Well, the first thing that jumps out, we talked about the off season, potentially having no OTAs in minicamp earlier. Yeah. This may kind of help that June one thing for the Texans, because if you're not on the field, you don't have as much motivation to get something done early. It's all about learning the scheme mentally. And Deshaun Watson could probably do that in June and July. Yeah, you're right. Now, I just, when you're talking about a quarterback, a huge trade like that, I don't think the Texans will really waver because in the end, it'll still be the same amount uh, in cap savings. It's just spread over another year. That's why it's not as bad this year It's because it's Mm -hmm. spread over to the 2022 year. So I could just see the Texans doing it even before that June 1st deadline. Although Mace, your point does make a lot of sense if they wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And in terms of who the Texans move on from, well, if they move on from J.J. Watt, they're pretty much good with cap after they do that. And it really seems like it's going that direction, doesn't it, Mace? And it really seems like J.J. Watt will be playing with his brothers in Pittsburgh next year. 
uh, yeah, that that wouldn't be a surprise. Although uh, I, I don't have Pittsburgh's cap situation in front of me. Um, Houston, I'm just looking here. They can't. They do have on the 2020 cap. They do have nine point one eight nine million dollars of space. So they can carry that over. So effectively, if they just wanted to be in compliance, they could cut JJ Watt and then carry over the space from this year. And that that nine million dollars is probably going to be equivalent to their to their draft pool. Imagining that they would acquire some picks, and uh, that draft pool could certainly increase if they trade Deshaun Watson. So, all these things are feasible for the Texans. Yeah, they 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 can make it work. But yeah, I mean, it is interesting how bad of a situation the Texans have put themselves in, not just with Deshaun Watson, but also with their cap. Imagine. Imagine running that team and thinking this is how you do it. I, I, no wonder, no wonder Nick Casario wanted six years, thirty-six million in order to go there. <laughs> oh, he's if they trade Deshaun Watson, part of that six years is going to be developing the next guy and cleaning up the cleaning up the mess. And you know, trading Deshaun Watson might be the football version of the uh, of of the Boston Red Sox trading Babe Ruth. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it very might, well could be. Imagine if it's the curse of Deshaun that hangs over Houston. <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> and, and and they already still don't have a Super Bowl win in the city of Houston even now. So imagine if it were to go on for another 100 years or so. Yeah, that would oh. be that would be rough. Mace, before we go any further, got to tell you guys about our Colorado rugby coverage. In fact, I should say our American rugby coverage over at thednvr.com. Some huge news in rugby yesterday, and our guy Colton Strickler had you covered with it. Article on thednvr.com. He does great podcasts and Twitter. Hey, he's on podcasts at DNVR Rugby, anywhere you find podcasts, and of course on Twitter at DNVR Rugby. And because in Park right here in our black backyard in Glendale, Colorado is known as rugby town USA because the, it became the national training center for USA Eagles, men's and women's 15 rugby teams. So that makes Colorado the place for American rugby and guys, make sure to check out all the coverage we've got. Cause Colton Strickler does a great job breaking it down for you. His weekly DNVR rugby podcast, make sure to subscribe to that. That really helps our coverage and also follow him on Twitter for all the updates you need. Colton Strickler and DNVR rugby. I want to tell you about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group as well. Of course, we've had several DMVR listeners reach over to Green Mountain Dental over the years and make them their permanent family dentist. And those listeners reach out and let us know how great their experience was and thank us for leading them to such a wonderful practice. If you don't know, Green Mountain Dental Group is in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. And guess what? They're big-time Colorado sports fans just like you. Our sales director, Lindsay, just had her wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental, said it was literally the best dental experience of her life. After her surgery, the doctor personally called and checked up on her. A few days later, they'll do the same for you if you have a dental surgery over at Green Mountain Dental. Schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam today, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush and treat us when you go on over there. That Sonicare toothbrush, by the way, I brush my teeth with a Sonicare toothbrush. I wouldn't use anything else. This isn't like some cheap baseball game giveaway. Seinfeld fans may think of the MetLife windbreaker uh, that the 
that that was on that was spoken of at a Yankee game. No, no, no. The Sonicare toothbrush it'll revolutionize how you brush your teeth. It'll promote good brushing habits because you really should make sure you go thirty seconds in every quadrant of your mouth. Sonicare toothbrush. The Sonicare toothbrush will help you do that. It's a big it's a big time freebie, and it'll help you make sure that those dental visits in the future at Green Mountain Dental are enjoyable. So Green Mountain Dental Group, they're only 15 minutes from downtown Denver in Lakewood, and they always want you to know this first step to good health is by taking care of your mouth. Check out Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. Hey guys, something I've always meant to ask is how were things different covering the team when they were winning? What was it like to cover a playoff game and playoff run? I know y'all managed to have fun despite the last four years, but how different were things? Well, Mace, I'll start. The only team that I covered that was winning was the 2016 Broncos when they were nine and seven. I have not covered a playoff team yet. So heck, Maybe I'm the curse on this team. I joined the beat the day Peyton Manning retired. Since then, pretty much everything's been downhill. So I apologize for that. And I really hope to know what it's like to cover a playoff team soon. So we're blaming you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're blaming me. (laughs) Oh, you know what? The year I came back to Denver from after be, working with the Panthers for a couple of years, they went four and 12. So you could have blamed me for that. So, <laughs> well, at least yeah. they had a Super Bowl <laughs> after that. Yeah, a few years later. So it worked out. Uh, it worked out pretty well. It's a lot different and it's a lot more fun. You find players that are, are more willing to talk to you. Um, everything just seems livelier. In the locker room in a bad season, you really get the sense. And you can see like some guys kind of staring daggers at the reporters when they walk in that, you know, oh man, they, they don't want you there, you know, right. it, cause it's going to be more questions about how bad we're doing, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so it, it, it's kind of painful. Now on the other, now the, the other thing that happens during losing seasons is some guys do get candid and, uh, and self-reflective and uh, some guys, at least uh, off the record are willing to throw people under the bus and uh, I'm, I'm there to listen oh, absolutely. <laughs> when you want to do that. But um, I'll take a winning season over a losing season anytime. I mean, I, I've talked with a couple of reporters in Cleveland oh, and of boy. course finally broke through. But one of the things that I learned about the Brown, about the Browns, the experience of covering them is they said, our calendars were different than those of everyone else in the league because inevitably they got so used to the Browns being out of contention by Halloween, basically that there was more interest in what they were writing from like the senior bowl and the combine than what they were doing in the back half of the season. And so uh, it was, they, they felt like uh, the late seasons because they had so many bad years it got to where people were, were tuning out. It actually made that part of it a little bit easier. But, of course, the players were still were still kind of frustrated. I'm glad they're getting to experience some success out in Cleveland. Hope it happens here again. But, uh, you know, in the big picture, did see quite a bit of success from the Broncos from 2011 to 2016. Did see a Super Bowl. Nobody's feeling sorry for us. <laughs> That's the truth. No one is. Not yet. Yep. Count Locula. What's with the peace sign? I like it, but it, is it some code to decipher, some secret message, or is it a plea for fans 
to remain calm, peaceful, and stable as the unnamed rebuild begins. If so, I would advise him to use the hand gesture depicted in early Christian paintings of saints where the figure raises the index and middle finger and has the ping and rinky, the ring and pinky, pardon me, against the palm with thumb extended. This is a sign of both giving and receiving peace. Let's make it a two-way street. What do you say, Peyton? Love the count. Well, Zach, you're the person to ask about this because <laughs> you sign off with the same with the same gesture when we do when we do an on-camera pod. So, what's the story, man? <laughs> you know, I I have to imagine. I, I love where the count's going with this. About it, it's it's telling everyone in Broncos country just remain peaceful, remain calm. This thing may take a little bit, but we're gonna be there. Uh, and so let's let's go with that. Yeah, it's it's just a little. Uh, you know, and he's done it both ways. He's done it with the fingers facing out. He's done it with the fingers facing in. I'm curious to see what he does the third time uh, when, when he breaks that. And heck, maybe the next time we're talking to him, Mace, is uh, right right during when the combine would be, right before free agency starts. Yeah, well, takes a little time to get the Titanic turned around, right? <laughs> exactly. As a, as a song lyric told us about uh, 24 years ago or so. Unless, so a, uh, unless a big crimson tide comes in and, and turns this thing around quickly okay let me make it clear zach <laughs> if if you're right i think that would be awesome because kind of what we alluded to in the last response we all we all like covering a winning team it makes the job easier it makes it more fun that would be that would be kind of funny <laughs> imagine oh, man imagine a world in which Mac Jones wins more Super Bowls than Aaron Rodgers. Oh, this is Zach's buddy. dream world. Oh, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need Tom to help me out this weekend. <laughs> oh, boy. I am pulling for the Bucks. I, I would rather the Good. Bucks win than be, than be right on this. And, you I'm know, happy and I, this, you're pulling for the Bucks. You got to be, Mace. Well, and, and this is the, I think this is a lesson for Broncos country as well. I know there are some people who – don't believe in Drew Locke that think that in the parlance of RK, uh, even though he doesn't say this about Drew Locke, but he said this about other quarterbacks, said this about Tom Brady, that he was washed. I'm sure there are people in Broncos country that feel that way, that feel that Drew Locke, there's no hope for him. Mm -hmm. But the best thing that could happen for the Broncos is if Drew Locke becomes an elite quarterback. You've got that guy on hand. He He's already in your stable. You, you get a couple, a couple of years of, of cost control. You build around him, and you're not going back into the the draft pool again. That's, I think, even if you don't believe in Drew Locke, you can feel that way. That and wouldn't you rather be wrong, and have the Broncos win, than be right and have the Broncos struggle for another year or two? I'm just, of course, I'm just saying. Of course, absolutely. And and even Mace, I think it's it's crazy if people don't have some skepticism over Drew Locke because of just, right. you know, the numbers we talk about. But also it's crazy to not pull for him and to to not understand how he him turning into a success is absolutely the best thing for the Broncos. And you know what, Mace? You can have both. You can be skeptical and still want Drew Locke to succeed. That's okay. That's okay because in, unless you're Peyton Manning, unless you're an all-time, all-time, a Patrick Mahomes type of, type of start to your career, you probably will have some skepticism at some point, and there probably is going to be some middle ground, and that's okay. It's just about taking that next step. Yeah. Look, I've, I've seen people tell, tweet at me and say, 
you don't like Drew Locke. And that's not true. Just because I point out when he's struggling, just because I point out the trend lines that, uh, you know, there's, there's promise if you take the late season trend line, but the overall trend lines over the course of his uh, first season plus of starting, they do put him in the range of quarterbacks who, who, the vast majority of them did not work out to become long-term successful NFL starters. I think people kind of confuse pointing these things out with not liking and someone or not wanting them to seek succeed. I'd like to see Drew Locke succeed. I liked, you know, he, 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 he was enjoyable for me to watch at Mizzou in those years, even though, you know, there were some issues that had me concerned. He was one of the better quarterbacks Mizzou has ever had. It was, it, it was fun seeing him in action. I, I liked his, his joie de vivre. I liked his enthusiasm. I liked, uh, I liked the way he would, would sling it, sling it around. Uh, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a pass that uh, he wouldn't try to make. Sometimes that got him in trouble. A few times it led to some breathtaking moments. I do want Drew Locke to succeed. I just worry about where he stands. And I know that kind of taking my own emotion, emotion out of it and viewing it empirically he's in the range of, of, of quarterbacks who had a lot more where there were a lot more misses than hits. That's all. And, and that, that, that's totally fair. Mace next one coming in from T woods. Hey guys, a couple questions for you. One, should we be worried at all? If Juwan James might opt out of next season, if he does, is there going to be any way to get out of contracts with players who opt out multiple years? Well, Mace, the opt out thing was, was just last year because of COVID. Right. Uh, if there is another unforeseen setback with COVID that does impact this year, then I would imagine that there'd probably be another opt out there. Um, and I would expect it to just be the exact same thing that happened this year where the contract is just delayed a year and pushed back to the, fir- the following year. But there's not. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There's not a, a normal opt out outside of COVID where, where he can opt out of right. a season and just push his contract back. So uh, if the vaccine is here and it's a normal year of football, which I think is expected at least once the regular season comes around, like we've talked about Mace, uh, then I expect Juwan James to either be playing or him to retire if he's not going to play. And then obviously the Broncos would get off the books with that. Everything you said now, NFL teams may not want this. And if they, if they do want to not want the the potential of a second year opt out, and it's possible that in order to, uh, if, if they provide that second year, there may be some give back from the NFL PA or if the NFL, if the NFL, uh, you know, acquiesces and and says, okay, a second year, then there, there, there may be some give back to the league on this. So this is, you know, this is going to come up when the NFL and NFLPA discuss. Now, that being said, to go back to example for the, the timeline in the state of Colorado, if you are talking about vaccines to the general population being available in the summer, that third stage of vaccination, then if that happens, I don't think we're going to be talking about uh, about players opting out and I don't think that's going to that's going to be an option. And then if a player doesn't take a vaccine, well, that's that's going to be on them and that's a whole other discussion that has ramifications beyond football. 
Exactly. His second question, I know we have discussed trading back from nine to gain more assets. I was thinking maybe for a future pod after some research discussing trades at the draft involving the ninth pick and what teams have gotten returned in the past. Thanks again. T. Woods, uh, you probably don't want to, but I did an article like this uh, last year just about talking about how much you can get and stuff. Maybe I'll do another one or we'll have it as a pod topic. Great, great idea. Well, I've done some research as well. Maybe you focus on the ninth pick and I'll focus kind of on how there is a clear discrepancy in terms of what you can get in a trade between teams that are looking for a quarterback, looking to move up for a quarterback and those that aren't. And it's really fascinating to note Teams that want a quarterback generally are going to give you a premium that doesn't exist. So just because, for example, in 2019, when the Broncos trade down to 10 selections with Pittsburgh, they didn't have a round one pick coming. But it, but it could be an entirely different landscape if, say, for example, the Colts, with the retirement of Philip Rivers, want a quarterback. That's the kind of deal that could be made. Washington is right there in that range as well and could be looking to move up, move up to get their quarterback. There are going to be some options here. And if the draft board falls a certain way, the Broncos might be very well positioned to get to, to get some maximum to maximize the value. That being said, Zach, I don't think this is a deal they're going to be able to make before draft day. I think this is very much going to be on how the board falls. I totally agree, Mace. Totally agree. Next one from the other Ryan. My boys, I had to chuckle yesterday when John Elway, before correcting himself, presented the Broncos' new GM as George Patrick from Mike, don't call me Mark Malarkey, to thanking himself for firing John Fox to Case Keenum and yet, or Case Keesum. And yesterday, faux pas, Elway's press conference's name blunders will always be something to provide a giggle or two to Broncos country. On a more serious note, I was very encouraged by the marks given yesterday by Elway, Payton, and Vic Fangio. Obviously, what transpires on and off the field will mean more than the spoken words in the offseason. But two quotes in particular really resonated with me. Said Payton, I think the lines are the core of the team. I think you're going to be better in every game if you have a really good offensive line and a really good defensive line and the other quote my philosophy and vision it starts and is driven by the scouting department there are no shortcuts drafting and developing are the lifeblood we're going to be aggressive but not reckless every decision made will be a consensus it's a broncos decision i wanted to thank you all for the great questions that you asked for the stellar coverage provided yesterday what gives you the most encouragement from yesterday's presser have a wonderful wednesday dnb army salute I'm glad you brought up the the John Elway. Let's uh, let's just play it. Let's just play the sound. Oh, hang on here. Well, I was going to try to play the sound of John Elway thanking himself, but uh, a little bit of a technical difficulty here. But uh, going to work on that and hopefully get that in. All right. Well, maybe not, but. Didn't work out, but I was trying. Zach, I wanted to play the sound of uh, John Elway thanking himself, but uh, I couldn't quite uh, get up there. But that's okay. So, it's it's my per- it's it's my personal favorite Elway soundbite. Uh, oh, it's. I'd like to start out this uh, press conference with uh, a thank you to John Elway or John Elway, uh, John Fox. <laughs> you know, it's the only time I can recall a coach firing slash departure press conference opening with laughter being the first response from media because start by thanking john elway Uh, that that, honestly the malaprops became part of the charm of the whole thing and uh i mean 
it's actually something that maybe uh, maybe this is this is something for early February when there's a little bit of downtime. I mean, I have the uh, privilege of being at almost every uh, John El- major John Elway press conference. Actually, the only one I missed was when Gary Kubiak was hired because I was down covering the Senior Bowl and I I covered that press conference remotely. Maybe like a five greatest uh, John Elway press conference moments uh, or five yeah. most notable. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the one that jumps out and it wasn't a malaprop was there is no plan B from 2012. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the As wake he's of signing Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's as the last few years fade, that's the, that's the soundbite that I think we're going to remember. Yep. No plan B. We're going with plan A. And, and plan, plan A, A was a pretty damn good plan. And then uh, plan B got him a few wins late in the 2015 season to keep the hopes of a championship alive. So, yeah, let's we're, we're going to remember the positive on John Elway much more than the last few years as as time ends up passing. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And Mace, last one coming in from Mike1809. What's up, guys? It's been far too long since I've commented. I listen every day, and you guys seriously have been a big part of getting me through the craziness that was 2020. I'm looking forward to meeting everybody at the DNVR bar one one of these days when I'm back in Denver. It feels like you guys already or guys already keep up the good work. I had two thoughts that I love your feedback on. And thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate that. One, Mm -hmm. what would Drew need to become the guy? I think, keep thinking about Garrett Bowles in comparison to Drew. It wasn't long ago. We were all, uh, we were all down on Bowles and giving up on him. And given his performance prior to last season, that was totally justified. But with experience, Coach Mike Munchak and awesome work ethic, he's turned into a stud. Is there a Munchak comparable for QBs that could help Drew turn the corner? Like a, a coach like uh, like Mike Munchak? Right. Like that who, who would, exactly. Who would be the best offensive mind that you could realistically bring in? The problem is realistically bring in. I mentioned Bruce Arians earlier and I think of what Bruce Arians did with Carson Palmer when it looked like he was on the downside and uh, had not done well with the Raiders and the Bengals had moved on from him. And Carson Palmer played the best ball of his career late in his career with Bruce Arians. And uh, I'd love it if I could, if he could bring somebody like that in, but uh, Bruce is kind of busy right now. (laughs) Yeah. You're not getting Bruce. You're not getting uh, Andy Reid. You're not getting anyone like that. Um, I mean, on, on the college level and, uh, obviously like one of his tutor, one of his pupils in the NFL is, is doing just okay. And that's Daniel Jones. I mean, I, I'd, I'd love for Drew Locke to get, to get some time with David Cutcliffe. And in fact, maybe kind of the, the connection to Peyton Manning, maybe, uh, Drew finds a way to, to, to get a little bit of time with Cutcliffe. Maybe they can set something up. Maybe they can re- bring back the Duke workouts and uh, in the midst of all this uh, with COVID and you could have a uh, Drew Locke working with it with David Cutcliffe. And then you could have, um, you know, Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick and uh, Albert Irk Webunam and Nick Vanette there. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm dreaming a little bit here, Zach, but uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to dream. We're going to aim high, right? We're going to, Shoot exactly. for the stars. <laughs> exactly. So. And then he goes on. Second question. It's so dang fun daydreaming about getting Deshaun Watson in orange and blue. Zach, I understand your point when you say that the trade conversation starts at a point that makes us uncomfortable. But dude, 
These are the Texans we're talking about. They're trading freaking DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, for goodness sake. Given their history of trading best class talent for washed up old players, I wonder if we need to trade as much as we think we do. Almost certainly just wishful thinking, but if the Cardinals could pull off such a lopsided trade with Houston, why not the Broncos? Well, here's the reason why, Mike. Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was the one making those trades last year. Unfortunately, Bill O'Brien is no longer there to make those trades. I would imagine new general manager Nick Casario is not going to be silly enough to make those types of trades. So I see where your hope and optimism coming from, but there is a legitimate reason to think that that won't be able to happen this time around. Yeah, I'd like to think they've learned their lesson. I'd like to think if they've discussed what they could get for Deshaun Watson, that they look, for example, at how Jamal Adams is a safety and got two ones and say, say, and say, okay, we should expect at least twice that sort of haul, maybe even adding a player or two in there. They're, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Or uh, <laughs> as a uh, former president, George uh, W. Bush said, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, uh, won't get fooled again. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And speaking, we're of talking president. about malaprops today. That's a, that. that uh, I always chuckle at that malaprop. That 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 one makes me smile. Yeah, that that's a great one. And speaking <laughs> of presidents, Mace, we'll end on that note with uh, today being the day it is inauguration in the United States. But before we get out of here, gotta tell you guys about Green Mountain Dental. We've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental over the years and make them their permanent family dentistry. They've reached out and let us know how great their experience was and thanked us for leading them to such a wonderful practice. They're honestly nothing. There's nothing more rewarding than hearing from our own listeners. So please tell us your experience when you make the move to Green Mountain Dental. And of course, when you make that move, not only will they treat you like family, but if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental. What's better than that than getting excellent teeth while you check out the dentist and also getting a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. What a big day in Broncos country it was yesterday. Great breaking it down with you today. And we will continue to break it down and follow all of the updates that happen over these next couple days and weeks and boy it's going to be such a fun offseason thank you all so much for riding with us today we really really appreciate it and we will talk to you tomorrow we'll be live on youtube starting around 9 30 so make sure to check us out there have a wonderful wednesday Exactly.